And welcome to another episode of the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast series. This episode is titled Inshore Rods, Tips, Butts, and Everything in Between. And I'm talking to Captain Jason Dale of Stillwater Rods, Stillwater Rods, and Silver Spoon Charters. And we're going to be covering inshore rods exclusively. We're going to be talking about length, action, power, materials, pairing reels, and if there's time, we might even get some dialogue in there about maintenance. So a lot to cover. You're going to leave this episode understanding inshore rod components and composition a lot more than before. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post, and Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community since 2003. We've been bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and now in this latest and greatest chapter, the Saltwater Podcast Series, and it is in this Saltwater Podcast Series that we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share with us their insights and knowledge on how to catch more fish more often, which mostly applies to tonight, but, you know, we're covering it in the umbrella. And our goal is not just to get you catching more fish, but just to give you more confidence so that you go out with your family and friends and spend more time on the water more often. And I am joined this episode, just as I am every episode, with Billy Thorpe of Co-Pilot Studio. Hey, Billy. What's going on, Gary? Hey, man. Good to see you, man. Back at it. I'm We're back at the I'm grind. glad you're wearing the black shirt. I wanted to be formal for Jason. That's perfect. I'm wearing my black shirt, as I always do. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a fun episode, man. You know, I've always been interested in rod building, so maybe I'll do rod building slash podcasting after this. <laughs> Probably not. But Probably not. Whatever. Uh, speaking of podcasting, I uh, just want to remind you guys how to watch and how to listen. We are available, this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and newly Amazon Music. So go check us out on there. You can listen on all those platforms or watch us on YouTube if you um, if you haven't already. And be sure to subscribe to these channels. Uh, one, it really helps us in the algorithm uh, as people subscribe. And you can rate, review, whatever, leave us a comment. We want to connect with you on there as well. So uh, be sure to hit the little bell on YouTube so you get a notification every Tuesday when we drop a new episode at 7 a.m. on Tuesday mornings. And yeah, that's good. I think that's an easy request. I mean, that's free easy. podcast. Yeah. All we say is subscribe and share. Subscribe and share. And it's, it's free. And it's free. And if you guys want to start paying for it, <laughs> just leave that in the comments and we'll make that happen We'll call too. you. <laughs> oh, man. Well, well, and making it possible to be free is Marine Warehouse Center. So we really appreciate those guys here in Wilmington, North Carolina. And I'm going to message from them and I'm going to be right back. As you know, it's been a great year for boat sales. However, it's been really tough for customers to find boats in stock. We're the headquarters in Wilmington, North Carolina for Pair Customs, Sailfish, Sea Chaser, and Carolina Skiff. Our manufacturers are telling us the high demand for boats is going to affect 2021 inventory as well. So if you're looking to get a boat in the spring, you need to come sign up with us now. Right, Gary. Good looking boats as always. Love that commercial. Good looking boats, man. Spring is right around the corner. I'm in line for mine. <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> well, I asked Emmett about your free boat. Oh yeah? How did that go? He laughed. Of course. He laughed. And then we went back to the conversation we've been having. I think you know that Emmett 
is big on New Year's resolutions. Yep. Several of them. I mean, I had no idea, man. The guy makes like a whole lot of them. The one he was talking to me about this time, his New Year's resolution is to get more organized. He wants to get All more right. organized in personal and professional that life. Good. And he even he's off to a great start. He's got a three-step process for getting more organized. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Well, let's he lost it. it. He lost his list. I mean, he did have it organized, <laughs> but he lost it. So we're rooting. We're rooting oh for him. Oh my it. gosh! I'm sorry, Emmett. Good. Hope you find. We're it, rooting man. for hope you. Hope you find your list. Hope you find your list. Uh, until then, I'm going to show you a fish pick. Hopefully, I didn't lose it. Here we go, Mike. I'm going to butcher this last name, but Palmieri. That's my guess. Of Washington, North Carolina, with a redfish that fell for a quarter ounce jig head with a four inch uh, slam shady Z man paddle tail. He was fishing in Blunt's Creek. Good looking redfish right there. Yeah, man, that was someone short that took that photo. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, either that was a little person that took that photo, <laughs> or he really doesn't want anybody to know where he caught that. <laughs> right. Right? So, yeah, good-looking photo. Thanks for submitting that. And also, if you want to submit a photo, be sure to submit photos uh, and videos on Instagram. They're at fishermans.post, and we'll share those. Really, share some videos with us. We have yet to feature a video on here besides Marine Warehouse's video. That and should so, be our New Year's resolution. Right, to get more video submissions. More video submissions. I don't believe you guys can even catch fish unless less than one minute. video. That would be less than one minute videos. Yeah, less than, yeah. As yeah, we're less dropping than, that. Yeah, we don't need like the five minutes. <laughs> oh, here's the hookup. Oh, I fought it for five minutes. Anyhow. Well, ahead, remember, Jerry. Billy, as I'm talking with Jason, I need you to be focused and because I'm coming back to you for Billy's laser best focused. takeaway. All right, man. It's All right. going to be good. Favorite part of the show. All right, but right now I'm bringing on our guest, and that would be Captain Jason Dale of Stillwater Rods and Silver Spoon Charters, but tonight we're talking to him in regards to Stillwater Rods. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you, Gary, and thank you, Billy, for having me. Uh, I don't do a whole lot of podcasts, so uh, this is a little bit different for me. I was tried to, uh, I tried to connect with you guys from the space station, but... Um, Due to a uh, lack of internet service, <laughs> I was brought inside to this lovely background uh, with the floral pattern. So, just overlook the background. It's all about content, right? Not not appearance. That's right. That's what I say all the time. And you're off to a fantastic <laughs> start. I mean, there's no way anybody in this industry is going to make fun of you. No, he's no, killing it. Just crush it. <laughs> well, Jason, before we talk about inshore rods from tip to butt and everything in between or whatever it is we came together with right before the show started as is tradition on the podcast i got two questions for you first question are you ready absolutely ready so Jason, i hope you have two hour two hours reserved for me tonight we do man you keep talking we have a lot to, we have a lot to talk about question number one Jason Dale, and this will qualify whether or not this podcast even continues. Why should we listen to what you have to say about an inshore rot? So that's a good question. Um, I'm a relatively, I, a lot of people would probably refer to me as a greenie. Um, I've got about six, seven years of rod building under my belt. Um, it all started um, kind of as... I don't know. It, it just started out as an adventure for me. I was able to secure some rod building equipment uh, from a lady. Unfortunately, her husband passed away and I was able to get my hands on um, some really nice equipment uh, at a pretty, pretty reasonable price. And um, one of the 
one of the guys that I had tournament fished with previously um, was into rod building and I wanted to, you know, take a chance and see if I could put some things together and, and, and use personally. And it, it really has evolved from there. And I, it was a very steep learning curve. And um, uh, I, I feel like I've advanced, uh, you know, I've come to understand a lot of the technical components of rod building and, and what it takes to build a really good fishing rod. Um, so, you know, I, I pride myself on my attention to detail, uh, the components I use. Um, and then again, you know, just the, um, the, sh the sheer aspect of, of the love of what I'm doing. Um, you know, anytime I can create uh, a work of art that can be used as a tool for someone, um, that's very self-rewarding for me. So um, I enjoy it. Um, I don't see any, you know, I have no plans to stop. I see no, no shortage of this in my future. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be at it for a while. I'm in it for the long haul. That is a fantastic answer. We will continue with question number two. Yeah, and as is tradition, question number two is a non-fishing related question. This is, you know, well, here we go. Here's the setup. And this is what you don't want to hear, Jason, who's getting ready to field the question. According to the Urban Dictionary, and I'm playing off of your charter boat name, Silver Spoon Charters, and my question is playing off of that. So according to the Urban Dictionary, what is a golden fork? <laughs> a golden fork. Uh, something used in conjunction with a silver spoon. Uh, you're not uh, even close. And I'm, this, is gonna, this is going to bring the podcast down. I'm going to apologize <laughs> to Billy before I say it. The golden fork, according to the Urban Dictionary, is when you urinate and it goes in two different streams. <laughs> For whatever reason, it might go in two streams. It goes in two oh streams. So there gosh. you go. The old golden fork. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Where's my sound effects? <laughs> I know. I caught you off guard. But we're going to bring it down. So now Hello. let's get into the material. And so, again, we were in our pre-show notes talking about length, action, power, materials, parent reels. So let's start with length because, you know, that was your first one you put down. What do we need to know? We're, we're looking at inshore rods. This isn't a commercial for Stillwater. This is an educational experience. We're going to learn all about how to, I guess, select the right rod, find the right rod for you for the right purpose. Is that where we are? Uh, great question. So... You know, the, the, the average consumer is going to walk into a store. They're going to pick up a star rod, a St. Croix rod or a Shimano rod. They're going to play with it a little bit in the store. and They're going to go home with it, and it's going to perform for them. Um, you know, they make they all make a great product, and I'm not here to compete with them. But when it comes down to a, a specialization in, in a fishing rod, um, that's where the custom rod builder comes in. Um, someone who can take into consideration you know, maybe what length handle uh, an individual would need based on, you know, their arm length or what kind of real seat that fits nicely in their hands. Is, do they have, you know, fat, short fingers? They have, you know, long, skinny fingers and a short hand. Um, you know, those are all, all items that, that factor in when considering what to make each individual custom or each individual consumer uh, with a custom spinning rod. So, we're talking about inshore stuff. Uh, generally, uh, you know, I, I personally like a seven foot, seven foot two rod. That's that's typically what I fish with inshore for reds, flounder, and trout. Um, you know, we get a few more other inshore species throughout the year, but um, in general, those three 
are our primary targets. Um, you know, six and a half foot to me is acceptable, six ten, six eight, um, even all the way up to seven foot six. So there's a lot of variation in between uh, those lengths and, and rod choice. Um, and I'm not saying either one is right. It's all a matter of personal preference. Um, so that's, again, where the custom rod builder comes in and says, hey, let, let, let me fix this to your specifications. Um, and then, you know, we kind of we start with that. Let me ask a follow up on length then. So what so if you're the biggest fan of the seven, seven, two, what am I losing and or gaining by going six and a half? What am I losing and or gaining by going seven and a half? So it, it really, it just all depends. You know, it depends on what weight line you're throwing. It depends on what kind of lures you're throwing. It depends on where you stand on the boat. Um, it depends on where that butt of that rod aligns with your armpit or, you know, along your, your arm. You know, if you're standing on the bow of the boat and you're running a trolling motor and you're throwing a topwater plug, then a seven foot six is probably not going to be ideal for you because that, you know, I generally work a topwater bait with the tip down. So if in that situation, that tip's going to be in the water, where if you back it up to a 610, 68, 610 or a sub seven foot rod, uh, you eliminate having that that tip in the water. Um, same thing, you know, with the longer rods, they generally have longer butts. So that butt's going to, you know, it's going to inch into your armpit. Um, it's going to make for, you know, more effort in casting. Um, so again, that's, that's why everyone I talk to that's considering custom, you know, it's critical for me to get uh, information on, you know, what size rod they like. Um, really, that's the opening introduction to the conversation is what length rod do you like? And then everything else we, you know, it's kind of just everything in between. All right. So unless you have something to add to length and my notes, we're talking about action. And so, you know, my vision of this action section is, you know, giving us a better understanding of the choices that are out there, whether we're going custom or whether we're going factory, help us all understand the choices and what, you know, and what we get from certain choices. Sure. So I wish I had some charts to show you guys, but uh, I'll try to explain it um, in a non-chart form. So the action of the rod is generally uh, reserved to the tip uh, third of the rod. So that's what's going to give you your action. You usually have uh, extra fast action, um, which means it has a really soft, light tip, um, Extra fast is, is prone to breakage if it's not fished correctly. So uh, extra fast, fast, then you get moderate action, and then you get a slower action. And the faster action, extra fast action, just means that the tip of the rod is doing majority of the work. Uh, fast action is generally about the top quarter of the rod. Um, that's typically what I prefer uh, for soft plastics or for... Um, you know, hard baits like Miradines and that sort of thing, uh, medium light to fast action on the tip. Uh, moderate action, you get more bend down in the midsection of the rod, and then, you know, um, slow action, you, you get pretty much all the way down uh, the spine of the rod, uh, down closer to the, to the handles, to the foregrips. So uh, just to talk about action, again, you know, the faster the action the more flexibility you have at the rod tip. Um, it's going to be uh, a smaller diameter tip 
the faster action you go. So as you as you go from extra fast to fast uh, to mod fast to moderate to slower action, the diameter of that tip's going to increase, and you're going to put more. You're going to have more flexibility in that rod from the tip down to about halfway of that rod blank. Um, extra fast is generally reserved for um, you know, top water baits, uh, subsurface baits, and then your fast action pretty much could be for anything. Um, that's just the best all-around rod, in my opinion, something that's got a, a faster action to it. So your soft plastics, again, your mirror-dean baits, uh, mirror lures. Uh, it's just easier to load, um, easier hook set, um, and it just uh, it makes for more effortless fishing. When you tie the action into the rod to the specific lure that you're fishing, it just it, it makes it more efficient, both from an energy standpoint and also an efficiency standpoint, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. How about a uh, best application for moderate, best application for slow? So for moderate action, this could be things like uh, crankbaits or for um, spinning baits. Again, the fast action, that's, that's pretty much universal for just about anything. And then the extra fast action is going to be more for like um, topwater baits, drop shot uh, for bass guys. Um, extra fast is usually, that's not a common request for for rods, you know, that's someone who says, "Hey, look, I'm throwing a, I'm throwing a mirror lure sheep up. Um, I want a six ten extra fast action, something that I could, it, you know, have the bait work itself." Um, so really, you know, once I know who those guys are who request that, um, I'm happy to build for them because I I know that what they want and they're gonna they're gonna take care of the the rods that are provided to them. Is there an action that? qualifies for further casting just in general or it's all relative to what you're casting uh, again that that uh, medium light fast um, medium fast all those again you're going to have better load tip um, with with a fast action than you would if you were fishing something uh, with a slower action um, more distance with the with the fast action uh, rod blank uh, moderate fast fast extra fast um, that's going to give you uh, the most trajectory with that with that lure that you, you can get. All right, so I'm guessing related to action is the power, the power of the rod. Give me an education on how rods differ in regards to power. So sure, again, we're working, so everything in between, we're working from the tip to the butt. So you move from your action to your power. Uh, the power is generally reserved to about halfway that rod length down to the butt. Um, and that's where you're actually gaining the power to, to fight the fish. So, you, you know, you go from light power, uh, medium light, medium, heavy, extra heavy, and so on. So for inshore, you know, most, every, most all the anglers that fish inshore are either between medium light and medium heavy. Um, and again, that's just talking about the, the power of the blank you, you've you're still using the action of the blank, but when you're fighting a fish, that power is going to determine what kind of pressure you can put on that fish um, to land it. So, you know, again, more aggressive, um, more aggressive approach as you get into that, 
medium heavy to heavy category versus the the medium light spectrum of it. Um, and so I guess this is a good time to move into materials because it seems like there's a lot to talk about here from tip to guide to real seat, I mean, you know, et cetera. So your vision for telling me about materials, again, I, I love the direction this is going in where I am getting an education and what makes one rod different from another. And then ultimately we'll bring it, I mean, we are going to still bring it to the custom rod element, but Tell me about the materials, like the choices that are out there or what people need to pay attention to no matter what rod they're buying. Sure. Uh, another good, great question. So material, you know, the industry's come a long way from the 70s and 80s when majority of the products that were purchased were limited to just fiberglass. Um, today you've got um, high modulus graphite blanks. Um, everybody wants to have something lighter, stronger, um, you know, with the fiber, fiberglass rods, um, those are very durable rods. You can beat the broadside of a barn with those and, and generally not break them, um, which is kind of the opposite of the, the high modulus stuff. They're, they're a bit more sensitive. Um, but at the same time, as you, as you move up in, in the spectrum of, of graphite, um, you gain a lot more sensitivity in that rod. So uh, there's a there's a weight loss as you move from fiberglass to high modulus graphite um, that is considerably noticeable. Um, those are really the two media that I work with. Um, there's a lot of different hybrids in between, um, but again, if if I know someone's going to be fishing offshore, they want some trolling rods. <clears throat> more than likely, those are going to be um, your fiberglass. Uh, blended hybrid rods and then for the for the guys that fish inshore um, you know those are going to be uh, comprised mostly of your Bushida blanks your rain shadow blanks your north fort blanks and so on um, but that's you know to talk about it in detail and get really technical I don't want to lose anybody so I'll just limit it to those the, the fiberglass uh, the intermediate modulus and high modulus graphite blanks and those graphite blanks are giving me both less weight and more sensitivity and then to like oversimplify. And then, and then the other oversimplification is on the negative side, it just might not be as sturdy as some of the other rods. And not so much that it's not as sturdy. It's just a little bit more delicate. Um, you know, it, it just requires people to take, you know, a little bit better care of their equipment. Um, you know, maybe not shove it in with, five or 10 other rods in the back of a pickup truck and, you know, drive it down the highway. You just want to be a little bit more careful with those. Um, they're still adorable. I mean, I've got rods that, you know, I'm still using some of the first few rods that I ever built and they were, they were made on North Fork high modulus blanks. And um, I'm still using those. They, they work phenomenal. All right. So what's the next component we're going to talk about? We've got blank covered. What are, what are the other elements we need to look at? Yeah, so, um, you know, we, we could talk about handle material, we could talk about grips, um, we could talk about guides, um, you know, the guide spectrum is anywhere under the rainbow, um, same, same with the handle material. <clears throat> I personally I, um, picked up a technique um, of using these fiberglass sleeves over top of these uh, pour urethane foam um, intercourse. And uh, it, it allows me the flexibility to 
customized rides even more by you know painting them and putting a personal design and personal touch on them. Um, these are um, six pound foam core blanks, so they're they're pretty durable. Um, I mean, it takes a lot to uh, compress these and, and put any type of indention in them. Um, majority of the ones that I've got, or I actually can't think of one that I've got where I've actually damaged um, this foam material. Um, these are extremely lightweight, um, just as much as a cork handle would be. Um, I build a lot of car carbon fiber as well. So, you know, I always put a little foregrip on, on it nub in case somebody wants to hold a reel like this instead of, you know, holding it down at the reel seat. Um, so just, uh, you know, again, the, the possibilities are endless with this. This is a, um, this is a carbon fiber reel seat and a handle, carbon fiber reel seat, carbon fiber handle. Um, these are all components that are made by American Tackle Company. Um, and I use these quite a bit. Super lightweight reel, uh, uh, rod and reel setup. So with a 2000 series reel in this or 2500 series reel, um, you know, this whole setup weighs less than, you know, 10 ounces. So the rod itself is, is about 3.3 quarter ounce to 4 ounce um, with the components that are on it now. Um, again, super lightweight. Uh, you know, for me, you know, I might cast a thousand times a day. And so to eliminate a lot of strain and stress on my arm and shoulders, I want something that's super lightweight, both in the rod and the reel itself. Um, so I try to scale back on overbuilding. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't need a whole lot of decorative wraps on the rod. Um, I just want something that's going to function. It's going to be aesthetically pleasing, um, and it's going to be light enough that I can cast it all day without uh, feeling fatigue. And so that's that's really what I try to build for everyone. Um, you know, again, just factoring in what their personal needs are and how the rods really are kind of matched to them. Um, going back again to the to the butt length, that seems to be the biggest component of 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 what guys like in rods. So um, you know, you can have any size um, handle on the rear, but unless it fishes like you, you know, like you want it to fish, um, it's probably going to go in the closet or go back on the shelf and you're going to, you're going to divert to another rod as your go-to. Um, so I, I, I want to try to provide a product to everyone that's going to be their go-to rod. All right. So I am not a tackle nerd cat tackle geek at all and i'm just and what i'm sitting here asking questions i just assume there's a lot of people like me so with you what you just shared like on the two different butts that you showed me is the difference that the second the latter one was just lighter and less aesthetic and the other one the first one the green one was just more aesthetic but you might compromise a little bit of weight and then my follow-up question is because i'm thinking some people will go in and buy a rod you know in the store, like you said, and maybe haven't even given that much thought about what do I need to be thinking about with the length of a butt when I'm buying a rod? Like why have a longer, why have a shorter? What do you got for me there? Yeah. So there's not a whole lot of difference between the foam and the carbon fiber. I mean, if I were to put these two <clears throat> butt, uh, butts on a the scale, they're going to be within probably, a, you know, hundredths of an, 
uh, an ounce of one another. Um, both are very durable. Um, they both have a non-skid finish. It's just one is completely constructed. So this one, this one is completely constructed in-house. So I make everything from the foam filling. Um, you know, it's got a fiberglass sleeve on it, but you know, the pour urethane foam is all made in-house. It's all milled down to a, a specific shape profile. Um, and, um, you know, the desired length is, again, is all, that's all predetermined and, and all set in house. Um, and then you get the, you, you get the custom paint color on it. So this just customizes a little bit more. Um, it may be just a hair heavier than this, but it's, it's not going to be by much. Um, this is a new product by American Tackle Company. They just came out with that last year. Um, same way with the real seat. So this is a, a carbon, compressed carbon real seat, super light. <clears throat> and then just the corresponding trim that goes um, at the at the forefront of that. So with the real lock seat, um, it just gives it a, I don't know, a clean, just gives it a really clean um, appearance and, and very ergonomic. Um, the, the third part of it, um, you know, it, it, I have a mix of all these media in my arsenal, um, cork, carbon fiber, um, the hybrid um, foam real seats, the, the fiberglass uh, handles. Um, they all, I use them all for a different application. Uh, I even construct wood handle uh, um, out of cypress and uh, cedar that they just, they all have a different application. So it really just depends on what, what a consumer wants as far as how I match up those, those handle, that handle material, the real seat, and then the components of, of the guides. Why does a longer butt work better for some people and a shorter butt work better for others? So, I mean, you've got guys out there with, with long arms, with short arms, again, with big fat hands, shorter, smaller hands. Um, again, it really just, it all depends on that individual's personal preference. Um, <laughs> I see guys that come in that fish out of kayaks a lot. And um, generally for kayak fishing, you, you're going to want a shorter butt because it's difficult to cast from a kayak, or so I've been told, um, and, and work a rod or work a lure um, with that butt under your armpit or digging into your side. So um, I, I've had quite a bit of feedback from kayak fishermen, and majority of all of them, uh, they seem to always prefer a shorter butt. Same thing with guides that want, you know, a topwater rod. But um, guys who fish popping corks, um, they may want a longer butt, you know, uh, maybe an eight, eight foot rod with a, with a little bit longer butt. So it really depends on the application of what you're going after, how you're going to fish it, what, what your style of fishing is, and then uh, kind of where you're fishing from. Are you fishing from a kayak? You're fishing from a bank? You're fishing from a boat? What? Um, so uh, it's just, it's hard to know until someone approaches you and said, Hey, um, this is me, um, match something up to my body profile, match something up to my style of fishing. No, I follow that explanation. Everything makes sense. Um, I think maybe last on our materials and, and then we're going to move to pairing rods and reels together, but last on our materials, maybe talk about guides. Sure. Um, so I build a lot, again, I use, um, either a lot of, uh, American tackle products. They make, um, 
tie forge guides. Um, really corrosion resistant. Um, this is one of their tie forge guides. I don't know if you can see it. This is a spinning guide. Um, I use a lot of their components. Uh, Fuji, my goodness, um, how long have they been around? Forever. Um, they make a great product. Um, really, the, for the for anyone who doesn't know, um, any type of um, any type of, of um, Duralite or Nanolite ceramic ring is going to work for them. Um, guys that have these, you know, that that want a titanium torzite uh, guides. I know that doesn't mean anything to you, but that's kind of like the 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 top of the top of uh, guide material. So you order titanium, you know, titanium frame guide with a torzite insert. Um, you know, you're looking at probably 125 bucks for a set of guides just for a seven foot spinning rod. So um, out, 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 the Duralite, the Nanolite guides, those are all very durable uh, ceramics that are, that are used for the inserts of the guides. Um, I use those quite a bit. On occasion, I'll use a silica carbide or uh, Torzite guides um, for people who, um, who just want to have that, you know, based on personal preference. Um, I try to, you know, there, there's a there's a thing called static testing where you where you load the blank up and you stat what they call static test the rod. Um, so you're determining where the position of those guides are based on uh, a static test. And um, that status um, after building, you know, hundreds and hundreds of rods, uh, I've come to know where the guys need to be positioned um, to maximize the efficiency of that line and that lure. Um, I like for spinning guides, I like to use smaller guides um, instead of the traditional real heavy, beefy, um, very um, oversized uh, guides that are used. You know, you see some of these spinning rods and they've got a size 30, um, they've got a size 30 guide on them. Um, and that's really unnecessary because the, the larger the guide, the more friction you're putting on that line as it's coming off the rod. So you've got more, more friction in each, each of those rings. So when you compress that and you go to a smaller diameter, um, you've got less friction in those guides. And so the line technically is going to come off uh, faster and smoother and is going to lay better as, uh, as that lure and line come off that rod. Um, so uh, again, I don't, I, I, weight and efficiency and effectiveness of those rods kind of what drive me to build the custom rods that I do. Um, you know, it's not that, I try to make the best product for my customers that I can make. And that's based on my own personal preference and what I've learned through the, the development of the technology that's available. So as the rod blanks, as they become um, more progressive, as the guides become more progressive, I'm trying to stay with that and, and progress along with those companies and with that development and provide a product to the consumer um, that reflects that. All right. And this has all been good. I, I, I definitely know more about rods already. But now no, I think you this, don't. I do. I've, I've been paying attention. I could do Gary's best takeaway at the end if I had to. 
Hey, uh, so again, I'm, but what I'm really appreciating is you giving us information that we use, whether we're a custom rod guy or not. And I think that applies to our next conversation about pairing rods and reels together. I mean, anyone who's buying, whether it's custom or factory, you know, faces that question. How advise us? How do we go about the best pairing process? Sure. So, someone who wanted to make the best of a, a rod setup shouldn't go into a store and pick up a six and a half foot or six foot rod and put an eight thousand series reel on it. Uh, that's just impractical. So, you want to match match the reel to the rod. Um, so for, you know, a six and a half foot rod, if you're going to put 10 pound braid on it, you could get away with a thousand or 1500 or 2000 series reel. As you get up in the six and a half to seven foot range, um, you'd want to step it up to maybe a, a 2,500 or 3000, um, seven, six, you could put a 3000, 4000 on it, etc. So, uh, again, it depends on your application. If it's something that you're going to be fishing all day, um, you know, a seven, a, generally a seven foot medium light or medium action rod with a 2,500 or 3,000 series reel on it is perfect. So it gives you the right balance. Um, it, it gives you enough line capacity that you could, you know, you could catch whatever swims inside. Uh, it's not overkill. Um, it's not underkill. So, you know, to me that, 2000 range to 4000 series range with any of the real models shimano pin uh, dial a fluger abba garcia it doesn't matter um that seems to be the the best combination for inshore fishing whether it be for drum trout flounder whatever so um you know guys who want to maximize the drag efficiency you want to maximize the line efficiency um, you know, if you, if you had a seven foot medium rod and you were dock fishing and you had a 4,000 series reel on it with 60 pound braid, um, that's a perfect setup. So, um, I wouldn't change that. So really, again, the, the rod and reel combination, again, depends on your application and really what, you know, what you're targeting with that actual combination of, of rod and reel. All right. I have a follow-up. So as far as finding the real, the right real balance, I mean, is that me putting a reel on the rod and then balancing it on my finger and seeing if the if I can just get it to balance? I mean, everyone has done some version of that at some point in their fishing career. Is that what do you mean by find the right balance? Like, what does that mean other than balancing it on your right finger in the store? Yeah, and I see a lot of guys do that, and I, I don't pay that much mind. Um, you know, I, when I say balance, I mean, you don't want to put a reel that's so heavy on a, any particular rod that all you feel is the weight of that rod uh, between your your hand and your elbow. Um, you want to be able to feel some action on that rod at the tip. Um, when you put a tip on it or when you put a lure on the tip, it's going to change that action slightly, but not significantly enough that you're going to notice it. Um, you know, if, if you match that rod up with, you know, if, if you go to a store and you buy, uh, if you buy kind of a middle of the road type of rod and you put a middle of the road reel on it, um, you're right in that curve. Um, if, if you go and you buy and put a big clunky, chunky, heavy reel on a super light rod, 
um, then you're going to feel it again down at the base of the rod in the handle material. And you're not going to, you know, if you were live bait fishing or if you were dragging soft plastic across the bottom with that particular setup, you're not going to feel the action of that rod and the action of that bait like you would if you had paired it, um, you know, with, with something that's more applicable um, with a, with a 2,500. So it really, it all comes down to, again, putting the appropriate line of braid on it, um, having the right size reel on the rod, and then having the right size reel line and lure combination on that particular rod. So it, um, the best thing to do is just grab, grab stuff and start, you know, start fishing with it. Um, you know, see what works best for you. If it, if it doesn't change things up a little bit. Um, but you know, I can tell you from my personal experience, uh, generally anything that's, uh, between six foot eight and seven foot six, um, any 2000 to 4000 series reel is going to, is going to be perfect for, for that rod selection. All right, we are running out of time, but I don't want to completely skip rod maintenance. So I'm going to give you a small window to help us out with rod maintenance. I mean, for me, I just get off the boat with a captain such as yourself and, you know, I don't worry about it. Or I tell my kids, rinse off the rods before you put them in the garage. But I'm guessing you got something more complicated. No, not not too much. Um, so, so, again, the, the guides have come a long way. Uh, painted guides, stainless guides, uh, brush chrome uh, guides. They're all pretty durable. Um, I mean, they, some manufacturers now are producing some guides that are um, are more susceptible than corrosion than others. But majority of Fuji's guides and um, American Tackles guides, the Tie Forge guides that I use, um, they're relatively corrosion resistant. Um, I, I will tell you this, just kind of sneak this in there. So, you know, I've been with a few guys and they've casted and they'll be caught on something and their line will snap and they'll say, well, I just got cut off on an oyster or I, that, that piling broke me off. That me not necessarily may be the case. It may be the fact that you have some chipped or cracked ceramic in your guide. So um, the best way to determine if you've got a guide that's bad is to grab a Q-tip and just run it around the inside of the guide. Uh, and if it grabs on any part of that ceramic, that's going to mean that that, that ceramic um, ring is going to be chipped or it's going to be cracked uh, and that's the culprit of the the fraying that you're experiencing on your line so just one one quick way to to determine if you've got a guide that's gone bad or uh, if it truly was you know you being cut off on an oyster or a, uh, a piling but uh, you know i spray myself off on occasion with water um i don't wipe it down with anything no wd-40 um, the, the biggest thing I would recommend is learn how to use that rod and don't put the power in the top quarter or top third of that, that blank. Um, that's what they call high sticking. Um, so when you bend the tip of that rod at, a, at an unnatural angle and you start to bring the tip of that rod back to the boat or down towards the water, uh, that's where you experience failure in a rod. Um, and it's not a manufacturer's defect. It's in the way you have handled that rod. It's high modulus graphite is not meant to be drawn back 90 degrees to the angle uh, of, of that rod itself. Um, 
So I can, if I can give anyone uh, a word of advice and a takeaway from any of this is to don't high stick a rod because if you do, the chances are likely, very likely that you're going to cause that rod to have um, failure. Um, yeah, I, I see it all the time. Guys will be fighting a fish and they'll, um, it'll be a good sized fish and they'll try to deadlift the fish into the boat. And when they do, they bring the rod straight up. They, they, they point the handle towards the sun, just like, just like this. So they point the rod up towards the sun. And then what's going on with the tip of that rod? The tip of that rod's pointed back down at the water or in the bow, bow of the boat or at the, the floor of the boat. And it's going to cause that rod to break. Um, I, I've seen it more and more than, than I, I care to admit, but um, that will cause rod failure more than anything else. So that's how you maintain a rod is don't high stick it. Uh, there's really not much to maintenance. Yeah, you spray them off if you want to. Um, mine get it on occasion, but I just I put them away. Hey, we're at the end of your episode. Someone that's heard you talk wants to continue the conversation with you, explore more of the possibilities of custom rods. What do they do? Yeah, they can email me. Um, I'm on Facebook quite a bit. I'm on Instagram. So uh, it's uh, stillwaterrods at gmail.com. Feel free to email me. Um, I've also got a um, website that's Silver Spring Charters. I'm working on developing a, a website for the rod building. Again, like I mentioned, when I started this, I, I I didn't anticipate it growing and, and having the interest that, that I have now. And I, I feel very blessed and very fortunate for that. Um, so the website is in the works for that. Um, it will be coming online pretty soon. So I'm going to have components. Um, I'm going to have complete build prices, um, maybe even some production rods on there. So I got a lot of things going on right now. Um, and uh, not, not to say what I'm doing is, is not working, but again, it's a, uh, I've come to a fork in the road and it's either continue on the direction I'm going uh, with me being a one man show or um, try to do a little bit more. So um, decisions tough, but um, the website is coming online pretty soon. Jason, thank you so much for talking with us. I'm sincere when I say I am smarter at the end of this conversation than I was at the beginning. That is no jest. That is straight up. I appreciate it. Man. Well, I appreciate it. No, thank you. Thanks for having me, Gary. And Billy, thank you for everything you do. And, uh, you know, just conversing with you guys in the past is always a pleasure. And uh, we'll get together on the water soon. We will. Awesome, man. What a show. What a good show. Lots of info. Dude, there are so many takeaways. I'm like, how am I going to pick one? Uh, but I guess I didn't really think about matching up arm length versus butt length versus all that stuff. Because, you know, I've always fished with rods. I don't fish with other people's gear as much as Gary Hurley does, but I have fished with other people's stuff. And I'm like, man, this is just super uncomfortable, but I never really figured out why because I haven't dove into to that subject that much. But now I'm going to pay attention to that when I'm choosing stuff at the store or whatever. Um, when he said 125 bucks for those those guides, I'm like, oh, well, man, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot can, of money. You can spend real money for top top. I think I've spent 30 bucks on a Dowa rod in the last one. Shame anyway, on you. I know I shouldn't even say that on there, but anyhow, oh man, so such a good episode, dude. Really, lots of tons of information about rod building. So hopefully people will go hook up with Jason and get him work until Christmas. 
Yeah, and just be smarter when you're making right choices. Yeah. I mean, that was my goal. I knew that he, you know, was going to share good information. I hope he gets some calls, and I also hope he help people out who just aren't in a custom frame of mind. I hope they're still just thinking, all right, I now know more when I go in. Yeah, that's good, man. Well, I don't know anything else, Gary, about rods. But well, I never mind. <laughs> Forget it. I had like this cool line <laughs> I was going to end oh. with. Anyway. Remember to go check out Marine Warehouse Center. They're making this all possible. Uh, Gary, once again, thanks a lot for a great episode. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share with one of your fishing friends if you've enjoyed this episode. And go check out Jason Dale on Facebook or or the website. Uh, it'll be in the show notes as well. So, Or his, uh, yeah, his email will be in the show notes and his uh, guide website. So go check him out. Cool, yeah, Gary. Thanks, That's everyone, it. for spending the time with us. Fisherman's Eye.